something in my heart that I could be having like the most stressful day, I could be in the middle of trying to do something busy and trying to be productive, chasing after all stuff, could be in the middle of an existential crisis, not knowing what am I doing with my life, and you, like, I hear those words, and I realise like, this is what, uh, this is what matters, like, it has the power, love received has the power to just, to do that in our, in our lives, we need, we need to be loved. Now, as Christians, right, we believe that, that that's, um, that's something that God has placed inside us. Because of the scripture that says, you know, three words that will change your life is if you actually come to realize that that search is the search for God. And there's these, these three words that God is love. That, that search, that need that, that we all have, I believe and we believe, isn't just some evolutionary trait that, you know, isn't just some chemical thing sent in our brains that it originates with the creator of the universe who exists in three persons who exhibit love with each, each other that, that the universe was created out of love and for love and that was we just read there his desires that we would be rooted and established in love that's, that's immeasurable that love is, is like is, is everything to us all the other loves romantic love familial love like the love of friends like all of them they're, they're just like glimpses of something that exists eternal within the creator and if that's the case, then, as people who've come to know the love of God in Jesus and what he's done, then we have the potential to not just have moments of, of, of fleeting satisfaction when we hear I love you from somebody, or temporal, if it's from somebody in a relationship for a while, but something that's eternal, and something that's always accessible, God is omnipresent, like something that, that, that's, that's, that's not, just like a, not just temporal, not just temporary, but something that existed even before the world existed, that the world was created out of it. Are you with me that there's the potential to be tied into something that will satisfy our souls in a way that doesn't leave us, doesn't leave us wanting? I can't forsake us. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Because I can say to you, you know, God loves you. And, uh, I don't know, people just, yeah, okay, that's a cliche. Yeah, but like, is that really your life? Like, you can believe it. You can believe it even, um, like, like cognitively, yeah? You can believe, okay, I accept as a fact that God loves you, but, but what's your experience of it this morning? What's your, like, what's, what's the reality of that look like in your life when you got up this morning? Did you, like, did you experience it? Like, I can tell you, I can tell you that, like, like, we're being inundated or will be inundated with Easter eggs over the next couple of weeks, right? So we'll have a fridge full of chocolate. I can tell you chocolate is sweet, right? There's a difference between you knowing that, yeah, green chocolate is sweet, right? Rationally, that's true. difference between that and eating some chocolate and uh, the experience that you have as you eat it. And I believe that the love of God isn't just meant to be some abstract thought, some, some philosophical reality, but it's meant to be experienced. It's meant to be something that we exist in, like that we live and move and have our being in God, that we satisfy our soul at a deep, deep level. And the, more, the longer I'm a Christian, the more I'm convinced that it's the most important thing that we can, we can dwell on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak from, from Romans 8. Um, in our Bible project, that's where we are. We have a chapter in the New Testament today. We've been in Romans this week. We're a bit ahead of Romans 8. I think we're at Romans 14 now. But Romans 8 has been called the greatest chapter in all the scripture. Uh, by a load of different preachers, just like Paul is on a roll, just like rattling off, like this is who God is, this is like what He's done for us. Look, like he, he talks about, you'll recognise, he talks about the law of life in the spirit. You know how that the law has been written on our hearts. Like, like again, going to the motivation, the love of things that we don't just obey out of religion or out of this list of things we tick the box wrong. It's like something has happened in your heart, the Holy Spirit's been given to you, and now this new law is written there in love. He talks about how there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We know that verse. He goes on to talk about how we are sons of God, how we're, like just the words of it guys, and 
I always say that sometimes I just say words and they're just words. <laughs> we dwelt on them like co-heirs with Christ. That we inherit what Christ inherits is the only Son of God. And he talks about then, if, that's, if that doesn't feel like real to you, that God gives the Holy Spirit who enables you to cry out, Abba, Father, like giving you like this spirit of recognition that this is true, that I can relate to God as a loving Father, not a distant judging God, but a loving Father who cares for me. He talks about the hope of glory that we have. He talks about how all creation is longing for the revealing of the sons of man, how the world is moving towards a space where Jesus returns and creation is redeemed and the church has its place. But just this massive, massive hope how the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. All this in one chapter, right? How he intercedes for us. We've got this promise after promise after promise. And then that verse, great verse, you all know it. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And then to top it all off, he goes into this, this, this passage at the end of Romans chapter 8. Where he speaks, about, he speaks about love. The love that God has for us. And uh, here's what he says. He says... Uh, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who didn't spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life and is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it's written, for your sake we face death all day long, we're considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors, through him who loved us. For I'm convinced, neither death, nor life, neither angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor heights, nor depths, nor anything else, and all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. Like what a great, what a great hope we have, church. Paul does this at some point in all his letters. He just like can't help himself and just get to the love of God. He's like, this is the source of it all. And he spells out how we're blessed. Because my question to you today is, do you know that God loves you? I don't mean do you just accept it as a truth, but do you know that his, if you could picture his face looking at you this morning, what do you think his face looks like? Disappointment, indifference, condemnation, maybe like you think of beholding God and all of a sudden we're aware of our inadequacies, we're aware of the ways that we failed even today, we think oh God would be disappointed of some penance, take out of his presence, or worship harder, or sing harder, or read more, or love people more. So what scripture says to us, he says that he's not, he's not, he doesn't condemn you. Not only is it him that he doesn't condemn you, where is it? Um, who will bring any charge against those who God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Do you get what he's saying? Not only, right, I'm the only one who condemn you, who can condemn you, right? Who can rightfully judge you, like human beings can't do that. God can rightfully judge us. But what does he say? Instead of condemning them, no, I don't condemn you, I justify you. It's like the opposite. Like that, that he is the one who, who justifies. So who's in the place of condemned? There's no one. That's why there's no, there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation because Jesus took your condemnation. And in return, you get his inheritance. In return, you get treated by God the way that Jesus deserved to be treated. Jesus is treated the way that you deserve to be treated so that you can be treated the way that Jesus deserves to be treated. That's what's at the, the, the core of this, this Christian belief that we have. And I just, I just feel to encourage you, to call you, 
into this space of being of being loved by God, that it wouldn't just be it wouldn't just be words. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you had moments during during worship there where where you felt it. I know I had moments where like, what's that line? I didn't know that sec- that third song, so it made me kind of slow down and listen to the words. And uh, yeah, I, I know it's not much, but I'm nothing else. Like crying like a dog, trying to like <laughs> fix my ears before I get up. Like there's something in the presence of God that that hits our hearts. And uh, guys, it's not meant to be. It's not meant to be just a useful moment for 30 seconds on a Sunday morning. That's not what he died for. Like every. Every day, like every waking moment, in him we live, we move, and have our being. Like, do we want it? Do we want to go after it? Like that. What do you feel when you get up in the morning? Are you aware of the love of God? What do you feel when you mess up in the morning? When you, you make mistakes, are you aware of the love of God that just wants to pull you back in, wants to heal you, wants to restore you, wants to strengthen you, wants to take even that mess up and say, here's how we, here's how we move on from this, here's how we learn, here's how we want to make you more like Jesus. Like his heart is relentless towards us. It's meant to be a present reality. And so verses like this are to show us that there's not meant to be anything that can separate us from that. right? That there's nothing that can undo the love of God. It's done. It's been done in Jesus. On the cross, it is finished. The work is, the work is complete. Yeah? And there's nothing that can undo it. There's nothing that can make it fade. There's nothing that can change his mind or his heart towards it. It's decided and it's done. And it needs to be a reality, a reality that we live in. It's an undying truth that you're loved by God, but, but I just know that we don't always live in that space. And it's tragic. It's an absolute tragedy. And sometimes it's easy to like displace this stuff. I read a, I read a, I read a, a, a description when I was preparing. It's like this seminary professor, a story that has 120 seminary students. Seminary is where you go after you've done your degree to like be trained to be a pastor or a priest or whatever. And there were 120 asked, like, how many of you believe that God loves you? Another class of 120 people studying to be pastors, two of them said that they, they believed it. And the rest gave kind of answers like, I'm supposed to say yes, I know I'm supposed to say yes, but I know the Bible says he loves me, but I don't really, I don't really feel it. I'm not really sure I can say that I, I believe it. And it's easy to say that about, oh, well, them 120, right? You know, but, but, but it hits in my heart. It hits in my life, yeah? Like that, there's, there's, there's seasons in my life where I know God, there's seasons where I, where I know deeply I'm loved by God. And then there's seasons that are all too common where I just seem to, I just seem to go through the motions and like, like ignore, ignore the Lord. Um, and that's a tragedy. Like it's an absolute tragedy. And I feel what the Lord wants to do is to bridge, to bridge that gap for us, that disconnect between rationally, I believe God loves me and experientially I know that God loves me because I feel and experience his love. Um, I believe that's what he wants, he wants to do in us. The journey is bringing us on and that this morning we'll add, add to that. That we're loved by God. It's the source. We have these five loves like the things that we say that we value. The, the, the last four of them are all things that we do, right? But if we do all of those four things and they don't flow from the first one we're making noise, guys, and your experience of it will be empty. Your experience of it will be disillusioned and trying to do all the right things. And uh, I'm just not feeling it. So what we put is our first, our first value, the thing that we value is that, that we're loved by God. A prayer this week, Bernard, telling the elders are praying, like, could we just be a church that just, like, those people think that you love them. I don't like, those people are walking around thinking that God, they're God's gift. We're walking around thinking that God, God actually cares about them, God actually loves them. They put themselves in the way 
of the love of God day after day. We can try and build our lives on, on anything else, guys, and, and believe me, I do it. Functionally, I do it. Even knowing this stuff, whatever way the world is shaped, my own heart is shaped, I don't know. Like, I find myself just putting my stock into other stuff, you know? What people think of me, achieving stuff, buying stuff, scrolling on Amazon, looking to buy things that I don't even know that I need yet, you know? Just looking to, I don't know, fill some sort of a void. That's what we do. When we're not filled with the love of God, we try and fill it with something else. We fill it with relationships. You'll fill it with cheap relationships, you'll fill it with short-cutted relationships with sex, you'll fill it, you'll fill it with, with, with possessions, you'll fill it with position and jobs and career, you'll fill it with achievements, you'll fill it with, with all sorts of stuff. And all of that builds you up to knock you down. All of that builds you up and leaves you feeling empty. All of that will leave you by the wayside. But the love of God is eternal. It's unshaken. It doesn't change. It doesn't fail. It can't fail. There's nothing that can separate. That's what these verses are like. Like if we put ourselves in the way of it, there's nothing that can there's nothing that can separate us from. Look at the, the end of the list, look, I'm convinced. Nothing. Not even death, life, angels, demons, the present, the future, any power, life or death, anything in all creation can separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Nothing has nothing has that power, I would say, except our own choice. Nothing has that power. Nothing can take that. Nothing has the power to take it away from you. And yet, yeah, I don't mean this to be condemned. I mean this to be as the Lord like drawing us into you. See what I have for you, right? Yeah, we wake up in the morning and we turn and scroll through Facebook. Instead of turning to the one who made everything. I wake up and I get into my to-do list. Instead of like basking in the love of God and the grace that caused another sun to rise and like that caused there to be breath in your lungs to bless me or what I have, like that can satisfy my soul. It's a tragedy. And we fall for the lie that we can build a life on anything else, or that life built on anything else is even worth living. And God's heart is like, will you let me love you? Will you let me love you? Will you let me love you? Guys, like I said, I've, I've, lived, I've lived in seasons where that's been a reality in my life, right? I've lived in seasons where, where I've got up and there's been a, a, a space where daily I'm just aware of the love of God. And here's what happens in that space, inevitably, right? But I find myself, um, I've said this to you before, right? But I find myself like, like, like exhaling, almost with like, but like, um, what's going on in that exhale? There's like, a, there's like, God, you're enough. There's like just a deep satisfaction of like, satisfaction of the word, uh, in the very necessity, isn't it? Everything is satisfaction. Uh, uh, I just love. Like, and it's like, God, you're enough. We don't achieve another thing. You're enough. I don't own another possession. You're enough. You take everything away from me. You're enough. Even if I lost everything that I have, you're enough. And that's, that's, that's real. It's experience. And then I get to move out of that space and live in, live in that space in the day. And guess what? My life looks different in that day. I'm not striving after the things that the world strives after, that I tend to strive after. Things take, like, like just everything is aligned. What happens when we're in the love of God is that all of this other stuff. Like flows out of it. All of this other stuff is the fruit of those of us who have been loved by God. We love because He first loved us. Then, guys, there's the whole other seasons. And I'd love to be able to say they were years ago, they're weeks ago, this week, they're months ago, you know, where, where I just go through, I go through emotions, you know, where I get up and I, 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 like I don't put myself 
and the way I love God. And I'm, and I'm busy. And I'm busy with church things, which is a great irony in my life, right? You might be busy with other work things, but I'm busy with, with, with churchy things. So I'll be busy writing sermons. I'll be busy like, trying to work on this stuff on one day. I'll be, I'll, 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 I'll be busy like discipling people and pastoring people and doing all the stuff that I should be doing, right? But if you ask me at the end of the day, it feels empty. It feels just meh. Like, like for a while when it's new, when like, yeah, that's great, you know what I mean? But as soon as the new has gone off it, and you're just going through the motions, like there's times like guys even when someone I showed up at church on a Sunday, like, and I probably wouldn't have showed up except I'm the pastor. Right? <laughs> like I need to be here. Um, uh, like out of obligation. And when my relationship with the Lord is just like a work relationship, like a boss kind of thing. And that's like, that's all too too common, but what happens to me then, inevitably, and it used to take a while, I shared this before worship last week, it used to take a while, but I would get burnt out. I could go on the momentum, right, of being with the Lord, I could go on that momentum for three or four months after, and just with my own whatever capabilities to write sermons, with my own, like, like strength to do so. But um, in these last few months, like, this last year even, I find that if I'm not present to the Lord daily, that um, I just don't have the strength. Everything is just like, Overwhelming. Everything is like, it's like, it's like, it's like heavy, you know. To the point where I mean, like, not be belittling. Like, like I don't know. It's like, like depression is too strong a word, and I'm not. Don't want to equate it with someone who actually suffers from depression. But on the, on the, the level of just feeling, like, I'm just going to bed for the afternoon. Do you know what I mean? Like just, just longness. And then um, I, I, I was trying to, to, to figure it out, and uh, so I started just like like two weeks ago or something, like writing this list, like because I stopped exercising, stuff whatever. I was like, what do I need to do? It's exercise. I need to get productive. Too many things on the plate. That's why I'm feeling overwhelmed. I need to get better at delegating. I need this person to do this. This person to do this. Right now, this big list. And then like towards like it ended up being the end of the list. I wrote down, I need to spend time with Jesus. And then when I did, I scratched out everything else before the list. I'm like, that's it. That's it. That's the story. You can do the exact same things, but doing them, having spent time with Jesus, like fuels them, motivates them. You're not doing them out of obligation. You're not doing them out of expectations that other people have in you. You're not doing them out of pressure. I think that's what Paul says when he speaks in Corinthians. You know, his love is patient, love is kind, and all of that great stuff. But before it, he says these verses. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men or angels who don't have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. About the gift of prophecy, and I can fathom all mysteries and knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains. I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor, give over my body to hardship, they're only both. If I don't have love, I gain nothing. He's trying to tell us that you can do all the right things. You can do all these other values. You can do all the practices of liberty. You can do all of that stuff. If you don't have love, like, go to bed empty. I know. Go to bed, get up the next morning, like, oh, here we go again. Where's the Holy Spirit brings joy? Everything like flows when you're in the presence of the Lord, you know, like all this stuff that you know when we talk about our practices and we're like, so like, talk to people about Jesus, practice generosity, practice hospitality, like all of these things, and we can think like, oh man, that's a load of things to be added to. But let me tell you, when you just get the first one right, that you're loved by God, all of that stuff just happens. It happens if the motivation of your heart just changes and it, it happens and it flows. And it's an audacious belief to, what am I telling you? I'm telling you, you can get up in the morning and you can encounter the love of God that will change your life from the inside out. I'm saying you can connect with the divine, the creator, sustainer of all things. That's an audacious, crazy claim, right? But I believe, and I've experienced it to be true, that when you do it, it happens and your heart is satisfied and your soul is satisfied and you operate out of a place of joy and you see the perspective of life that you don't see otherwise and you see how blessed you are. Everything in the Christian life flows out of being loved by God. 
God relentlessly tells us, like, chase me, go after me, pursue me, and when you do, you'll find me. And I love you. What I feel God is doing in my life, and maybe He's doing in your life, because sometimes I feel He does stuff in my life as a pastor that's reflective of what's happening in your life, and that's one of the ways that He enables me to minister. Is that I wrote this sentence last week that Jesus is reducing my tolerance for life without Him. That can sound that can sound harsh. Um, I find that I just get burnt out by the end of the day if I haven't spent time with Jesus. Well, I will say it again. It's good, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Jesus is reducing my tolerance for life without him. Meaning, you don't get to float by on yesterday's bread for a couple of months or I want you, I want the mercies to be new every morning. I want you to know who I am every day. That's the greatest invitation you could imagine. What's Jesus saying? He's like, oh, I want this to be fresh. I want this to be new. I want you to be loved by me each day. I want your source of strength, your source of motivation, the things that you do to be rooted in like an experience of my love. I want to satisfy your soul each morning and send you out. I want to light you on fire and send you out for people to watch you burn on. I want to be with you. It's reducing my tolerance for life without If you've been going through a season and you're feeling burnt out, it doesn't have to be work. Well, I know I mentioned the Christian work. That's the irony of it, right? Is that my work can be a thing that gets in the way of me, of me going after the Lord. So how much more so can your work, right? That doesn't cause you to read the Bible or disciple people or, or whatever, right? Or maybe a season in family life that's just like had you going through the mill. You break up over a relationship. Something that just has you floundering. I was telling you that God loves you. And I sound like almost like remedial, but it is remedial. It's just simple. The answer to what you're going through is that Jesus loves you. Like he absolutely loves you. It's to satisfy your soul. It's the only answer. It's the only one that we have. My call to you is don't resign yourself to just joyless living or obligation, whatever. Put yourself in the way of the love of God. This, this week, um, I just, here's what I do like in the morning I just seek the Lord. If I don't do it in the morning, right, I can fool myself thinking, I'll do it after Penny goes to school, after Penny goes to school, something else takes over, right? Like, I'll do it in the evening time, but the evening time comes, I'm resting, right? It doesn't, it doesn't happen. For me, the discipline is, is like the morning time. It's the, the first thing that I do. So, I get up, I get up in the morning, and I went to put on Spotify, but Chris was already listening to Spotify, the chair of the council didn't work. And uh, so I put on YouTube, right? And uh, put on YouTube, put on this worship song, and then I get an ad before the worship song. And, uh, and the ad straight away, like this guy at his tennis court, right? And uh, he's saying, here I am, it's 9am, I'm at my tennis court, I got up at 6am this morning, and I made a few trades on my day trading accounts, hoping to make 15 grand, like, throughout the day. Um, and look, if you want to do this, you can too. And look, I'm sucked in, right? I'm sucked in, like, I'm like, like clicking on the link. I'm like, I can make 15 grand a day. Like, but the irony, I know you're laughing, the irony of it, here's me, first attempt in a couple of weeks to get up early and seek the Lord as a matter of priority. An ad comes on saying, here's what you should be doing as a matter of priority at 6 a.m. Like, getting up and going after, going after money. The Lord uses to drop like, just a bit of revelation into my heart that, oh, this is the most important thing that you could be doing. It's the most important thing that man who's making 15 grand a day could be doing as well. I guarantee you, he goes to bed and still needs to make another 15 grand to feel good, another one to feel good, another one to feel good. This is the greatest thing you could be doing with your time if you want the actual satisfaction of your soul. And the audacity of it, does it ever just hit you, man? You know, David said, like David said, I waited for the Lord on high, and he heard him cry, and lifted me out of the pit. You see David like, waiting on the Lord. And then the audacity of it, I see me, like leaving the Lord waiting. 
you need this in God. God would want to speak to your heart. No, I don't tell you the text tonight. Like, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But the world isn't set up to tell us that this is what we should be going after. And our own hearts at times aren't set up to tell us that this is what we should be going after. We need one another and we need the word of God to remind us this is what we should be going after. We need to spur one another onto it. We need to celebrate it. We need to talk about it. We need to encourage one another. We need to hold one another accountable. We need to be like, I'll go over to your house in the morning, get you up out of bed and we'll worship the Lord together. That we need, we need one another in this stuff. Yeah, if I was a billionaire, the best thing I could do in the morning is get up and put myself in the way of the love of God. If I was sleeping in a tent, the best thing I could do is get up in the morning and put myself in the way of the love of God. And I could be satisfied. It's what God wants for us. It's the only thing worth pursuing with all our hearts, all our soul, all our mind, all our strength is being satisfied with God. And God's greatest pleasure is when we find our deepest satisfaction in Him. It's His pleasure, it's His desire, it's His love. How do I know that he gave his son so that it would be possible? Put this verse text in. If God was for us, who can be against us? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How would he not also long and graciously give us all things? Meaning, if it was possible to just give us a blessing, he'd give us a blessing. Like if it was possible that all humanity needed was some encouraging words, he'd just give us some encouraging words. But God, in his wisdom, looks down. See, humanity is so bunched without him that we need, we need the sacrifice. We need a son, we need a substitute. And he sent his son, and Jesus goes to the cross. And this is how you can know, this is how you can be assured of it. This is, the, this is where, 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 where the love interacts, heaven and earth interacts. It's on the cross, the Son of God crucified for you. And now we're going to share in communion after, and it's going to lead us for I want us to remember it's his action, yeah? It's his initiation, it's his great love that's the wellspring of life. And that everything you want to see produced in your life, I guarantee you, like if it's a godly thing, that it happens when we put yourself in the way of the love of God. You don't drum it up, you don't just drill down like double up harder, I'm going to try love people more, I'm going to try love people more. It'll only lead you to frustration when you can't, but when you do, and then they let you down, and like they didn't repay me for what I was doing, like there's resentment, like, but the love of God is a never ending source. Keeps you living the life that you're meant to. And as you delight in his love, you'll love him in return. You'll be united with brothers and sisters to love them the way that we should. You'll love your neighbour as yourself, as Jesus commanded. You'll be equipped, you'll be empowered to go and live as the missionaries that God has called you to be, but to live out the plans and purposes that he has. Believe me, when you spend time in the love of God, your heart changes, not through discipline, but because of love. And that, guys, that's, that's why the gospel is unique. Find me another religion that tells you this. Every other religion. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. Again, God's favor. Here's what you do. Try harder. Every other piece of advice is like outside of the gospel boils down to that. Try harder. Yeah? Try harder or like no, or something. don't try at all. It doesn't matter. Yeah? Lunch. Okay. Uh, what does the gospel say? The gospel says it's not what you do for God. It's what God has done for you that makes a difference. It says that everything that you get to do then gets to flow from revelation of that, from revelation, from being filled up by, from being satisfied in your soul. The Holy Spirit makes that stuff real to us. When you're in the presence of God, believe me, fears and insecurities melt away. I think it's impossible to be in the presence of God. Also, be worried about money. It's impossible to be in the presence of God and also not be challenged to forgive when you're. You realise the scope of how God has forgiven you. 
it's impossible to be in the presence of God and experience Him. And for Him not to put others on your heart in a way that you don't have to drum up, oh, I must text so and oh, I must go after, but that God places people on your heart. And when you're in the presence of God, the striving, it just ceases. My favourite song, you know, when all things that surround me, when I look into your holiness, gaze into your loveliness, there's this line, when all things that surround me, no shadows in the light of you. They're the moments, guys, and that's, and that's true. And everything else, whatever you've been striving for, whatever, you know, whatever amount of your stock you put in other people's opinions, whatever amount you put in, how much you earn, whatever amount you put in the demands that are working, you realize, man, nothing else. Nothing else matters. All of that I can live out as a blessed right, but nothing, nothing else matters. It all flows through. I might sound like a broken record just telling you to put yourself in the way of the love of God, but this is, this is, what, it's, this is what it's all about. Never tell you to do anything different. Do you ever like, stand up here and preach and tell you, do this, this, and this, and God will love you. Exactly. Right? Because that's, we've, we've, we've gone to a different gospel. I was thinking about this this week, and I hope that my heart is a pastor towards us, saying that my heart is as a father towards, towards Penny. And I said this to Penny. We have our, we read the chapter of the Bible together from Penny's kids' Bible at 8 o'clock after the feast goes to work. And I said to her this week, I said, Penny, um, I said, the most important thing that I can teach you is for you each day to be loved, to be loved by God. If you had to put yourself in the way of him as many ways that you can. And I came from, I was praying for her that morning. And, um, and I just thought about it. I thought about, like, as she hits being a teenager. Imagine a girl that's so satisfied in the love of God that there's no need to chase after fellas' affections. There's no need to, like, do what her peers are doing because she's afraid of being rejected because she's so deeply satisfied and accepted by God that she's filled. Are you with me? Filled and satisfied to a way that that's not even a, that's not a need. You're with me, like, like, like satisfied. That's my prayer for her. That's, that's the kind of type of teenager she'll be. That she'll be bold and she'll be courageous and she won't need their attention. She'll be secure in God. She'll be confident to walk in his path. She'll be audacious and faith-filled. And likewise is my prayer for you guys. That the same thing would happen in your hearts. If that was the only advice I could give Penny and she followed it, I believe that everything else would flow in her life, everything that she's meant to believe that she's walking the plans of God. It's the only advice I could give you guys. Like put yourself in the way of the love of God. I mean, you know how to do it. You don't, you don't need to tell you. I'll wait till I say this stuff at the end, because if I say it at the beginning, and pray, worship, be in the Word, it sounds like it's a do-list, right? But it's not. They're invitations. They're the means. God's giving you these tools, these means. God's blessed people with the capacity to write songs that when you play them, they draw you close to God. It's like it's miraculous. Like tears in my face this morning listening to a song I hadn't heard before. Like put yourself in the way of that. I've never been more equipped, right? Never been more. Ignore the YouTube ad that comes up before and tell me whatever else, trying to distract you, yeah? And get into into worship. Play a song. Read scripture. If you can't, here's what works for me, right? Is do it in community because then it doesn't just drop out. Greatest season I've had is before COVID happened when Noel and I just, the Lord orchestrated. 6 a.m. we'd get up in the mornings. He'd be in my house one morning, I'd be in his house the next morning. Mornings I didn't want to get up. Mornings I hoped and prayed that he wouldn't show up so I could go back to bed, right? But inevitably, whenever, whenever we put ourselves in that way, just for an hour, like not a single morning happened where I didn't find myself. But that you are enough. Like not a single morning, guys. I want what to prefer, the extra hour? Like, extra hour in bed? Like, what are we, what are we doing? Like, so our call, this, the fact that God has offered this, Isaac, how do we participate in it? How do we practice it? How do we value it? How do we respond and say, God, I just don't want, I want what you want. 
you want to give me your love, man, like whatever I need to do, I'm going to do to put myself in, in the way of that. So you know the things. Pray, read, sing, be in scripture, like join the Bible project thing. There's a prayer meeting, prayer, like sorry, Bible study and prayer every morning at 7 a.m. on Zoom. Ask them for the link. Get to the link, hop on. Like do a mixture of it. Do that on Mondays. Pray by yourself on Tuesdays, whatever. Like, do the extraordinary. We started saying that a couple of weeks ago. Like, they want to be people who do the extraordinary, right? But uh, and that can sound like, you know, yeah, we're going to do something incredible. But what we're really saying is the way you get to something incredible is just adding something extra to the ordinary. Whatever's ordinary for you right now, whatever your emotion is, you're not reading the word at all, start reading the word. You're not worshiping, start worshiping. You're doing it two days a week, do it three days a week. Just add on. Like, take the next step in God. And I believe, right, I believe that the Holy Spirit is drawing us in this direction. I believe he's establishing this in us as a church, exactly where we've been praying. It's what I've been experiencing in my life, even through the burnout. Here's what God is doing. He's like pulling me into, Rob, do you not know you can have this every day? I don't know how you can have it every day. What are you doing, Rob? Why, why are you off doing? Why are you off doing your own thing? Like, come back. Come back in here and then move out of the strength. Like, I believe the Holy Spirit is leading us that way. So I'm convinced that any step that you make towards God in that way, I'm convinced that this week you're going to experience I just, like, that's just his heart. It's just his heart. It's like, you know, the prodigal son, like, try, makes up all this stuff, like, just turns, the father, like, runs out to him. You know, like, that God's posture towards us is, is like, is reaching out. And I believe if you respond to that, that, um, that you'll experience God's love. And it will satisfy you in ways that nothing else has been able to. Um, and it's all because of Jesus. We want to come to communion. And, um, I want us to know communion is a space where it's an opportunity. I know Brenda will have something to share, but it's an opportunity if you don't, if you don't know Jesus. Here's why this is even possible, right? Because we know rationally, like if I was to just tell a random around the street, God loves you. Well, you don't know what I've done. Do you know what I mean? You don't know, you don't know what goes on in this head. Do you know what I mean? You don't, you don't know the things that, that, that have happened in my life. You don't, you don't know whatever. The gospel tells us that there's someone who knows and who knows all that. And while we were still in that, died for us. So we don't have to do penance. We don't have to get a right to be made out. It's audacious. It's, it's, it's unique. In all the world, he says, here's how you're made right with God. God sent his son to die on a cross to take punishment for sin and raise him to life. So you just put your faith in that thing. You put your faith in that person, Jesus, that you get his record. You get the record of Jesus who lived a perfectly sinful life. So, what is to say to you, God loves you? You don't say, oh, well, God, look, look at what I've done. Instead, you just say, look what Jesus has done. Look what he's done. Look at the life he lived. Look at his record. And as we come to communion, if you've never done that, it's an awesome opportunity to put your faith in. Confess belief in that and say, I believe, Lord. <laughs> Jesus, that that's what you've done. I heard that message and it sounds too good to be true. It's true. I put, I put my faith in it. I put my eggs in those basket, that basket and, uh, and ask you to forgive me of everything. Everything that I've done wrong. And that you come into the life and you will be Lord of it. From the inside out you will change me. You place your love in my heart and cause me to know the love of the Father. And that my life will flow from this moment on in that way. And you can pray that for the first time, you can pray that for the hundredth time, you can pray that for the thousandth time, and God responds. God responds. He makes it real. That's what the Holy Spirit does says in Romans 5. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. It makes it real. It makes it real. It says in Romans 8, Jesus cried out, Father, 
He makes it real. I want to finish by praying that same prayer I prayed in the beginning over you again. And then Brian's going to lead us in, in communion. Before I do, I want to challenge you, like, what do you do on Monday morning? Yeah? I just want to ask you, are you going to, are you going to go after God? Like, sometimes it's a determination to just, yeah, here's what I do. God has done all this, and here's what I do to avail on it. John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, said this, He who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. Let's be the people who run to God in the morning, and who live and move and have a being in him for all of the day. Paul prayed this, and I pray it over you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name, and I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more. And all we ask or imagine according to his power that's at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.